60,000 is brought to you in part by RP Funding. RP Funding Inc. is licensed and can offer loans in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia, and is also licensed by the Mississippi Department of Banking and Consumer Finance and by the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Office is located at 500 Wonderly Place, Suite 300, Maitland, Florida, 32751. Telephone 321-397-4420. RP Funding's nationwide mortgage licensing system ID number is 70168, and Robert Palmer's NMLS ID number is 76197. We're saving thousands with Robert Palmer, and we're glad to have you on the Saving Thousands Radio Network, now with over 80 stations participating each and every week, and most of them have the daily show. So we want to welcome you to a very special network, a very special radio station, and a very special show. What's it all about? It's about empowerment. It's about a very, very successful person in the financial industry that wants to give back. You see, Robert Palmer is the empowering voice that you've been waiting for. Comes to the radio each and every day, giving us easy-to-follow guidelines, a lot of insight into the financial industry. So at the end of the day, we have more money. And most importantly, at the end of the day, we know where our money went. You know, there's so many times when we're not empowered that we'll come to the end of a week and we'll go, golly, gee, I got paid last Friday, but what did I do with all the money? How am I going to make the car payment? And so what do we do? We fall prey to some of those high interest places. Like maybe we'll go down to that, uh, that weekly payday money lender. If we do that, by golly, we're going to pay a lot of money in fees. So it's better to know where our money is at all times and to plan it out. And it's not all that difficult. We're not talking about stringent budgets here. We're simply talking about common sense ways that people take our money and we can fight back. So right now, let's start to fight back. Robert Palmer is our all-empowering voice of the consumers, and today we're going to talk about bad economic habits and where we get them. We're going to talk about educating our kids. We'll talk about the Home Value Hotline, a must-have resource for you. We'll talk about saving thousands, rules to success. Hey, we'll talk about those financial zombies out there, and we're going to clarify the uh, misinterpretations, misunderstandings, of FHA, PMI, and the world of refi. We've got a lot of learning to do. It's going to be fun. So come along for the ride. Now, Robert, it's no doubt that kids emulate their parents. Our parents do things. We follow suit. We do just about the same things they do. We see dad open the door for mom. Well, we're liable to open the door for mom next time we see her there. And throughout our life, we're liable to open the door for any lady we see approach a door. You know, these habits start young. But that kind of translates to money habits as well. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that today, uh, you know, kind of looking at, you know, how we can, uh, how our bad habits, you know, how what we do every day in our lives affects our kids. I'm guessing there aren't a lot of uh, listeners to the show in the, I don't know, let's say the under 18 bracket. There may be a couple out there, but, you know, most of what's listening to us here on talk radio is parents. Uh, and so it really is, it's our responsibility, uh, you know, as adults to to lead the next generation, to lead the future generation. And that's that's one of the big things that we're, we're focusing on here on the show. It's one of the big things we want to tackle here on the show. Uh, and so this, this I think is a great article on there. It talks a lot about kind of the, the way that kids pick up on our bad financial habits. Uh, you know, one of the, the big things on here is to educate your friends and family. That's a big kind of pillar of the show uh, and something that I really need people to focus on. And so I want to just take a minute and kind of go over this great article. Uh, this is something that Caleb uh, from the Saving Thousands team put together. And, uh, you know, just uh, as we go through this, you know, our, our kids obviously have a lot of financial struggles, struggles ahead of them. Right, Rob? You know, they're, they're going to deal with uh, student loan debt that is just a mounting problem. We've talked about this over and over again. Uh, it really is the next subprime mortgage meltdown is coming via the student loan industry. Uh, so we see that happening. Uh, then you've, you've got buying a home, which, which is tougher than it was. You know, it, it's, it's easier today than it was five or six years ago, but it's tougher than it was back in the boom. But what's really going to make it tough for that generation is the student loan debt. Uh, you know, previously, mortgage guidelines allowed uh, mortgage companies to not count deferred student loans mm -hmm. in people's mortgage payments. So when we're calculating, when the mortgage company sits down and says, okay, how much house can Rob Newton afford? Uh, if you had student loans that were deferred, that did not have a payment due in the next 12 months, uh, the mortgage company could ignore those payments. The mortgage company did not have to count those against you, which would help you qualify. Yeah. Well, that is now changing. Uh, and I think this just shows kind of how big of an issue student loans are becoming 
uh, that the FHA, Federal Housing Administration, who would previously allow those student loan payments, if they were deferred for at least 12 months, to not be counted in the ratios when qualifying for home, they now have to be counted. Right? That actually takes effect in the next 30 or 60 days here. Uh, so they see this as a mounting problem. Uh, and so this is going to make it even tougher. And, and when you look at the age of when most children are approached about student loans, uh, they really have no clue about money yet. Right? I mean, they, they have no clue about credit scores or debt or how this stuff works uh, because we're not teaching them. You know, you think about it, you graduate as a senior in high school uh, and you decide you want to go off to college. Uh, and all of a sudden, these people start handing you what in your mind is free money in the form of student loans. Uh, and, you know, and a lot of people use this money to live off of. You know, that they, they use it for dorm payments or food or books, everything, including tuition, uh, not realizing that, that all that money has to be paid back. And I, I've met with so many people who find themselves in this situation. They say, man, if I'd really understood, you know, I, 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 use, that, I use some of that student loan money to eat out. You know, I use some of that student loan money to, to have an, an apartment off campus and I could have lived in the dorms for free on my scholarship. Uh, you know, these types of decisions were made because they didn't understand the long-term implications. They didn't understand what it really cost to pay that money back. Uh, and this is where we do our kids a huge disservice by not talking to them about money. And, uh, you know, this article, again, if you go to savingthousands.com, uh, you can click on the link there. And, and you know, other things they're going to face, you know, starting a family, buying vehicles, right? Everything we do as soon as we get out of the house uh, seems to revolve around credit, <laughs> right? But it's something we don't talk about at all leading up to that moment. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of this old thing where, you know, Rob, it's taboo. A lot of parents don't want to talk to their children about personal finance. They don't want to talk to their children about how much money they make or about where money goes or how money is spent. And it's just this kind of idea of, well, we're going to give them an allowance and let them kind of go do their thing. Mm. And, and until we open up and until we break the taboo, you know, one of the greatest things that my mother did for me you know, we, I didn't come from a wealthy family. She was a single parent, working mom, you know, worked hard to raise me. But she really opened up our financial situation to me at a young age. Uh, and I remember she brought home her paycheck and she laid it out on the floor and really showed me where it went. You, know, you start with this big stack of money and you're like, wow, that's the most money I've ever seen in my life. This is, <laughs> wow, mom's rich. Uh, and then as you start to see that, well, this much goes to the mortgage payment and this much goes to the car payment and this much goes to the government for taxes and, you know, this much goes to you know, gas and food and, and lawn care and, you know, groceries and all this other stuff. And all of a sudden there, there's no money left. And, and it really, you know, opened my eyes at a young age. Um, you know, I remember times when, uh, you know, we, we were struggling to pay the electric bill. And I remember, you know, literally sitting on the floorboard of her car and counting change uh, so that we could stick it in the Lakeland Electric. Uh, you know, they had like one of those bank teller things where yeah. you like paid through a tube. And I remember <laughs> counting change in the floorboard with her. To, to like make up the amount we needed to, to send this all flying through the, I don't think you're supposed to put change in there, but we did because it was like after hours and we had to pay it or the electric was going to get cut off. Like I was probably nine or 10 and I'll never forget this, but it totally shaped my views of money. Mm -hmm. and, and where I think a lot of parents would say, oh, well, you know, that's not fair. She should have protected her kid from that. Her kid never should have known that was happening. Her kid never should have known, you know, that there were financial struggles you know, we need to protect them from that. Well, what I think we're really doing is we're, we're setting them up for failure. We're giving them a false sense of, of, of how the real world works. Uh -huh. And so where she did something I think a lot of parents would disagree with, that, that's probably one of the earliest memories I have related to finance, but it really shaped who I am. And it pushed me, you know, to be who I am and to learn so much about personal finance and money and interest and credit uh, and everything else. Um, you know, as a single parent trying to raise me, she, you know, there was a lot of credit card debt. You know, credit cards, you know, filled some of the gaps when there were times uh, you know, when, when we couldn't keep up. And so I, I saw how that worked. I saw that mounting, you know, interest debt. And, and, and as I got a little bit older, maybe in my early teens, you know, she opened up to me about interest rates and, and balances on credit cards and all these things. And I got a really clear picture. You know, we did that exercise to see how much of that money was going toward the credit card payments. And it wasn't reducing the balances. You know, this was back, you know, 20, 25 years ago when, when the minimum payment was barely enough to cover the interest. You know, and, and so all that stack of her paycheck that went toward credit cards didn't do anything to reduce the balances. And it was just this ever revolving cycle of debt. And so, again, this is something that I learned at a super young age. And so as I got older, as I got into my late teens, uh, you know, as I started to set off on my own and look at, you know, where I was going to live and what kind of credit cards I was going to have, I was super conscious. I was very conscious of how this worked. And I was very dialed in and in tune with how it worked. And it was one of the greatest lessons I learned. And I really attribute a ton of my success uh, to that, you know, to, to being exposed to some of our financial hardships and the truths about money and the realities of money 
at a very young age. Uh, and, you know, and this is a decision for each parent to make. I mean, to the, the level that you want to include your child uh, in your personal finance is obviously your decision. But I, I would challenge you to push the envelope a little bit because what we have seen and what we continue to see with generation after generation coming out is that they are not prepared enough. So what we are doing, what you are doing right now, the amount you are talking to your child about personal finance today is not enough. And it's clearly not enough because of the student, the student loan debt, the mounting student loan mountain out there that's just getting huge. Well, folks, you know how we say we're saving thousands with Robert Palmer? Well, you will always continue to save thousands because of the great rates and because of the no lender fees. But right now, you can save even more thousands, and the time is running out for a very special promotion, and that is the no closing cost refi. That's right. Those of you that are sitting on equity, and many of you don't even know you've got equity in your home, you're still of the mindset that you were back in the crash, back in 2008, the meltdown of real estate. And so many of you were underwater that you have failed to keep up with the times. You have failed to notice that housing prices have come back and therefore your home is worth more. And the way you can find that out is call the Home Value Hotline at 866-222-8231. That's 866-222-8231. Or just simply call RP Funding at 855-773-8634. That's 855-773-8634. And have a conversation with one of our licensed mortgage professionals and talk about all the ways that a refinance could help you. And again, the refinance promotion ends at the end of 2015, which, as you know, is now just a few days away. So we want you to act, and we want you to act now. This promotion will not be extended past the end of the year. So you've got to act now. You've got to jump on this now. And here's even better news. Remember how a couple of weeks ago the Fed raised the rate on loans? Well, Robert has kept his rate the same. He anticipated the quarter-point rate that Janet Yellen announced, and so he kind of did some things in the company to help save money and pass those savings along to you by keeping his rate the same. So in other words, RP funding did not up their rates along with the Fed. But if you want to have no closing cost and no lender fees on a refi, you've got to apply now. You've got all the way through February to close on the thing. But right now, just make the application and get yourself that no closing cost allowance. That is big money. Now, Robert, I'll tell you what, of all the lessons we teach our kids, for some reason, we never talk to our kids about money. Yeah, and again, it's, it's this whole taboo. It's we don't we don't want to talk about it, you know, and, and so we're, we're, we're totally willing to hand uh, a four-year-old our, our iPad or iPhone or Android tablet and let them play around with it and learn and, and experience. We don't want to give them money. We don't want to talk to them about how much we make. We don't want to talk to them about what our credit score is. We don't want to talk to them about how many how much credit card availability we have or how much credit card debt we have. Uh, and so it's this whole foreign concept. And and how are we supposed to learn? You know, I, I love going back to this language example. If you refuse to speak to your child, they would never learn. They would never learn English. They would never learn how to talk. Exactly. Right. And so if you if you refuse to talk to your child about the language of finance, how are they ever going to understand it? And then for a lot of parents, they don't understand it themselves. Uh, and, and so how are they going to talk to their kids about it? Because there's you know, no good resource out there. There's been no good way uh, to learn. And that's what I'm here to fix. And that's what we're going to fix. And, and whether that means that I have to write this whole curriculum myself and make it available to people on savingthousands.com where they can download mm -hmm. it and, and go over it with their kids themselves or if we can get it in the school systems or whatever we can do, that's what I've now got to figure out. But it, it is my mission in life to fix this and, and to make – uh, knowledge and education about financial services, about personal finance, uh, financial literacy in general, available to the younger generation. Uh, and, and if parents don't want to do it with their own examples, we'll build fictitious examples. You know, we'll we'll build some crazy character like a Barney the Purple Dinosaur and and have him <laughs> show kids what his paycheck looks like and, and figure this out. But it's something that has to happen. Uh, and if you look at it, all the things kids are taught. I mean. Where is this? It, it's nowhere. It's nowhere on the horizon. Uh, nobody's thinking about it. Nobody's talking about it. I think that's on purpose. Again, I, I believe, and I, you know, I don't. I don't want to come across as like a conspiracy theorist guy, but you know, I, I really, I know for a fact that financial services companies will go to great lengths to prevent consumers from being educated when it comes to 
interest and fees and APRs and annual fees and late fees and credit cards and balances and student loans and all this stuff because that's how they make money, right? One of the rules is if you know their tricks, they don't work. They don't want you to know the tricks. Uh, the whole point of education is so you know the tricks because uh, the big problem is if everybody figures out the tricks, if everybody figures out how to how to live responsibly and not pay a bunch of interest, what are they gonna What are they gonna pay for their big glass towers with? How are they gonna pay to have nine hundred executive vice presidents? I mean, right. if you look at a lot of the waste and things happening at big financial services companies, it comes on the back of consumers. And we're gonna fix that. We're gonna change that. We're gonna change it right now with our listeners, and we're gonna change it at the core all the way down to down to our kids in schools and we're going to empower them earlier. We're going to give them the knowledge they need and we're going to teach them. We're going to teach them how to conquer this beast. We're going to teach them how to be financial ninjas from an early age. We're going to teach them how to be comfortable, right? I mean, just imagine, imagine a time when, when kids are so comfortable and so understanding of what impacts their credit score or what impacts oh, interest, oh, right? Oh. So the same way they're amazing their parents with the things they can do on computers, the things they can do on cell phones or tablets. Imagine if they're amazing you with the ways they can avoid interest by using credit cards in the right way. They can maximize their credit score by building out the perfect credit profile, by by knowing, well, if I buy that car with 0% interest, I can stick the money over here in an exchange-traded fund, then I can pick up whatever the market does. And I mean, imagine if your kids are coming to you with this type of information and knowledge and what a proud parent you'd be and how much money they could save and how many pitfalls they could avoid in life. And that's the world I want to live in. Rob, I want to live in a world where kids are as comfortable with financial decisions and making good decisions about money and making good decisions about credit scores and credit cards and student loans and car loans and mortgages as they are at playing around with an iPad or an Android tablet mm -hmm. or whatever piece of technology that they're oh so comfortable with today. And it's totally possible because, look, it's no more complex. It's about trusting them to do it, right? And so I, I think if you look, one of the reasons that we're so willing uh, to give kids are, you know, the phones and tablets today is we feel like they can't break them. We feel like they can't mess them up, right? When computers were early, there was this fear like you could mess the computer oh, yeah. up. And, and and now we, we've we've made it so rock solid that there's really nothing you could do to to screw up a tablet, right? Short of like smashing it over your, your knee. Uh, but so it was our own fears, right? The, the, the kids can conquer this stuff, right? As human beings, we are very, very intelligent. We do not give ourselves credit for the potential we have. Uh, we do not give ourselves credit for the things we can accomplish at very young ages if we are just given the opportunity. And so the reason that the kids are so comfortable with iPhones and iPads and tablets is because their parents are giving them the opportunity to be. Mm -hmm. They're handing them the tablet at age four, age five, age three, and letting them play around with it. Nobody was handing a kid a real laptop at that age because there was a fear they could mess it up. No one's handing a kid access to financial information or credit scores or credit cards because they're afraid they can mess it up. They're afraid they're not ready. We're putting this limit on them, all right? The kids are smart. Kids can do this stuff. I mean, we absolutely, we don't give ourselves enough credit as a species. Uh, we, we are very intelligent. We don't maximize our potential, and it all starts at a very young age. And if you don't believe me, hand a four-year-old a tablet and, and watch them amaze you. I'll tell you what, you watch the kids today, they can play any video game there is, and they can excel to the highest level right here in the same office park that we're in, EA Sports. They capitalize in teaching kids. Well, how about if they come up with a game like Credit Crush yeah. or, or Angry Customer instead of yeah. Angry Birds? <laughs> there you go. I mean, let's come up with something because the kids show their intellect. They can do this. Absolutely. They can and, absolutely do it. And this is so important. Just like technology touches every aspect of your life now, uh, personal finance and, oh. and finance touches every aspect of your life. And again, we, we've got to fix this. This is this is my mission. We're going to be talking about this more on upcoming shows. Well, Robert, I must admit, we've got our work cut out for us and our listeners do too, but it only makes sense. If we can include kids in the conversation about money, they are going to grow up with the answers. You know, if we can look back and remember that very first paycheck we got, and we kind of looked at that paycheck and Where'd all my money go? There was a, who's this uh, FICA guy? And, you know, what's this withdrawal for? Well, anyway, once we learn that, that's about the last time we ask our parents about money, wasn't it? 
We need more education. That's what we've been talking about. Well, folks, I remember when I was a kid, my dad was writing those checks at the end of every month for all the bills. He talked about them, sometimes a little bit uh, with more enthusiasm than other times, <laughs> depending on how many lights we'd left on. But again, we were part of the discussion. So maybe there's ways that you can kind of draw your kids in, all right? Hopefully you can. We do have our work cut out for us. I mentioned a while ago, savingthousands.com, savingthousands.com. And there is a collection, a great collection of radio shows we've done in the past. You'll also find some very informative, easy to read, and brief. I call them kind of the Reader's Digest type articles. You know what I mean? They get to the point, but they do it without taking up a lot of pages. Great articles. But something else you're going to find at savingthousands.com is a list of rules. And these are the Saving Thousands Rules to Success. The ST Rules to Success as created by Robert Palmer, because let's face it, over the years, being in the mortgage industry, think about the tens of thousands of credit applications, credit reports and that, that Robert Palmer has looked at, has sat down in committees and talked about to give people loans for houses. This is important stuff. So as he's looked over these applications and credit reports, very many things have similarities. There's a lot in common for somebody with a 580 credit score. There's a lot in common for people up there above 700. So Robert took those things and talked about them and came up with 15 rules that if everybody would follow them, chances are you would be above 700 with your credit score. So you want to look over those rules and rule number one is shop around. But rule number two is to know your numbers. And one of the most important numbers you need is the value of your home. And you need a very accurate assessment of that. Robert, how's that done? Yeah, let's let's another bullet point for our rules, Rob. You've got you've got to know the value of your largest assets, and mm -hmm. and you know one of the largest assets you have is your house. You know, just like uh, you'd want to know the value of your stock portfolio, you know, you want to know the value of your house. You've got to know what's going on, and uh, so I, I think that's that's important, and 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 that's why I created the home value hotline. You know, with mm -hmm. with stocks today, and so here's the thing: so many things, uh, so many of our assets can be measured online, right? You can go online and you can figure out what your stock portfolio is worth. You know, if you've got X number of shares of this and X number of shares of that, it's very easy to go online and see what those are worth. And so we all kind of got used to this idea of online valuations, right? Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't work for houses. Houses are not online. Houses are not something that can be valued online. It's not something computers can value. You know, it's something that we have to be conscious of. And, and, and it's something that a human being has to tell us about. And that's why I created the Home Value Hotline. And so the idea is... Uh, if you if you think you're going to sell your home anytime in the next 12, 18 months, uh, you want you need to know what your home is worth now. You need to know what you can do to begin preparing for that. If you want to refinance your home, if you have credit card debt, if you're trying to look at how to be the best consumer you can be and put yourself in the best financial position, your large asset, your house, can be a powerful tool, a powerful weapon, a powerful piece in that. But you've got to know what it's worth. And that's why I created the Home Value Hotline. And so the idea is, if I want to know what one of my houses is worth, I call one of the really great real estate agents that I have a relationship with and they'll for free tell me what my home is worth. They'll do a they'll do an evaluation for me. They'll look at comparables in the area, they'll look at what's selling, they'll look at my house, they'll figure the whole thing out for me. Mm -hmm. Well, the average consumer doesn't have access to that, right? The average consumer doesn't have thousands of real estate agents that they do business with all across the state of Florida the way I do. And so that's where this light bulb went off and I said, "You know what? I'm going to create a way for people to have access to the same tools I have access to." And that's where the home value hotline came from. So these are the same agents I would call right now if I need to know how much one of my home is, is worth. And whether I'm thinking about selling or refinancing or just curious or whatever it is, I would call one of these people and they would they would do the full rundown for me. And then I could have a conversation with them about it. You know, hey, Joe, uh, well, what do you mm -hmm. think? If, uh, you know, if I if I remodel the kitchen, is that going to help my value? You know, if I, uh, you know, what should I re-landscape it? Should I put a pool in? What, what should I do? You know, what what's going to put me in the best position to sell in a year? Like these are the real conversations I would have. Uh, because th there is a big planning process. You don't just decide to sell a home and sell it. Like there's a lot you can do to prepare yeah. uh, to be ready for it. Uh, and so I created the Home Value Hotline so you can get that information and have those types of conversations from the right people uh, at the right time and, and on your schedule. And so if you want to take advantage of the Home Value Hotline, if you want to find out what your home is really worth, don't rely on some server farm in California. Uh, call the Home Value Hotline. Rob, give them the number. Tell them what they do. You'll you'll hear my voice. It's a 24-hour recorded message. Uh, it's as simple as uh, calling in and leaving some information, and we'll get back to you. And, Rob, tell them how they do it. Robert, I'd be more than happy to. That number is 866-222-8231. That's 
222-8231. You know, around here, Robert, we're always talking about saving thousands with Robert Palmer. And again, I want to remind people that they can save even more thousands if they take advantage of that great promotion you introduced on this very radio show some three months ago. I'll never forget that day when you announced that there would be no closing cost on refis for a limited time. Well, that limited time ran out, but you extended it, and now you have paid out over $4.7 million in closing costs for people. And a lot of people listening to us right now, Robert, don't understand that closing costs are real money. Oh, they're not those junk lender fees. No, the closing cost is real stuff. You know, like title, recording fees, all that sort of thing, doc stamps, all of this stuff enters into having to be paid, and you are paying those closing costs for at least a couple of more days because the promotion ends at the end of 2015. So, folks, you only have a few days to act, but don't panic because all you have to do is call the office and simply apply, and you will qualify for the no-closing-cost promotion. You have until the end of February to close on the loan. So you've got some time on the documentation. you got some time on the paperwork, but you must apply now. 855-773-8634, 855-773-8634. Do a cash out, pay off those high interest credit cards, or just shorten the length of your loan, maybe from 30 years to 20 years to 15 years, whatever. You're going to pay off your home faster or lower your monthly payment or simply get rid of the private mortgage insurance that's hitting you for 100, 200, 300 a month. You can wipe all that out. If you just go for a refi, there's a lot of things you can do. Have the conversation, 855-773-8634. Robert, where do we go from here? Let's, uh, moving on, let's do a quick rundown of the rules. Maybe we've got some new listeners here. Uh, we'll do a, a quick rundown here. Okay. Uh, I, and I think uh, those of you who have been listening will see how many of the financial ninja rules here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network would have helped uh, and would help if someone finds themselves uh, in this situation. So, Rule number one, obviously my favorite, obviously the most important, that's why it's rule number one, uh, is to always shop around. And uh, again, shopping around for your college education. See, we didn't have to think this way, Rob. You didn't have to shop. You know, most people used to go to a state university and it was a nonprofit and tuition was the same everywhere. And you made the decision purely based on, uh, you know, what school had a better degree program or maybe what football team you liked. Right, right, wrong, or indifferent. There was no real financial decision to be made because, you know, the the state colleges were all pretty much the same. You know, then obviously the Ivy League colleges were more expensive and people may weigh that. Uh, But then you have the new nonprofits show up and and they're more expensive than the Ivy League. So shopping around, I think most people would recognize that the online degree from from a, a bad actor uh, like a Corinthian is is no better than a, a, a you know and probably worse than a local community college degree and the community college is is like one tenth of the price. I mean it, it's much much more affordable. Shopping around could help there. Rule number two: know your numbers, know your credit score, know your home value, know your balances, know your interest rates. Uh, you know, th- don't become a victim of identity theft. Monitor your credit report. Know your credit card purchases and balance. Uh, you know, look at the PDF of the statement. Understand how much money you are truly paying in interest every month. Understand what your balances are. Uh, if you monitor your balances from month to month, then you can understand whether or not they're actually going down. Right? The whole if the whole idea is to pay off your debt, you have to understand what the balance was last month to know that the balance this month is lower or higher. And are you moving in the right direction? That's rule number two. Rule number three: the three-day rule, three-day waiting period on large purchases or new debts. Again, someone who was contacted by a for-profit college. Uh, I use this a lot in the early days of starting my company, whether it was copy machine salesman or or phone system salesman or whatever it was, uh, I would always wait three days. I would always self-impose a three-day cooling off period, a three-day waiting period before signing any debt uh, or making any decision on a large purchase. Uh, Rule number four, don't abuse credit, but don't fear it either. Uh, I still have people out there who who are afraid of having credit cards, who think that that having credit cards is an automatic path to financial ruin. Uh, It is not. Uh, you know, just like guns don't kill people, keep people kill people. Uh, credit cards are not uh, the the road to financial ruin. Uh, misuse of credit cards is the road to financial ruin. And, and there are a lot of people like myself who are able to use credit cards very effectively. Uh, and this is the financial ninja way, very effectively to rack up points, to rack up vacations, to rack up discounts, to rack up 
you know, down payment on a new vehicle. There's all these wonderful things you can use the credit cards to take advantage of the banks, to take advantage of the credit card issuers and shift the power back to us as consumers. This is how we do it as financial ninjas. We are not going to abuse the credit. We are not going to let the credit ruin us financially. We are not going to live beyond our means. We are not going to buy things we cannot afford. Uh, but we are going to take full advantage of the benefits that credit cards offer when it comes to fraud protections, uh, when it comes to racking up points and getting perks and benefits. We're just not going to pay any interest because we're going to pay those cards off on time, every time before the end of the grace period. All right, that's rule number four. Rule number five, if you know their tricks, they won't work. Uh, again, just the, the, the simple uh, explanations I've given this morning on for-profit colleges uh, may save the next person from falling victim to that, right? If you know the tricks, if you understand that part of their trick is to keep you on the phone until you commit, that that free laptop or iPad they're going to give you is going to cost you $100,000 in the long run by the time you pay interest and repay the loan. If you know the trick that they want to hide your credit card statement from you by having you go to online banking so you don't see the interest calculations and you don't see the interest rates, if you know all these tricks, they don't work anymore. You know, when I was a kid, I remember seeing my first card trick and I was amazed. This this friend of mine did a card trick where he guessed my card. Uh, and, and as soon as he explained to me how he did it, it seemed like the stupidest thing ever. But until I knew the trick, right, as soon as I knew the trick, it was so obvious and I felt like an idiot. But right up until I knew the trick, it, it, it was working. It seemed like magic. And as soon as I knew the trick, it didn't work anymore. And so one of the main purposes of this show is to expose these tricks uh, so that you know them. Because rule number five is if you know their tricks, they won't work. Uh, rule number six, spread your knowledge, educate friends and family. Uh, if you know someone, again, uh, there are people out there right now who are entitled to these refunds on this Corinthian deal. Uh, there are people out there who may be about to be taken advantage of by a for-profit college. You've got to spread your knowledge, right? So I, I am now sharing this with 200 or 250,000 listeners out there across my 42-station network. Uh, but I need you to now tell two or three people. I need you to tell your friends and family. I need you to spread your knowledge. I need you to educate your friends and family. It's the only way as a society we can fight back. We can stop being financial zombies. We can stop meandering around, bouncing off of chain link fences, not making decisions when it comes to our, our financial future, when it comes to financial literacy, when it comes to understanding credit cards, credit scores, interest, uh, all the things that are so important in our lives. So I need all of you I need all of you out there, my Saving Thousands Army, to spread this knowledge, to educate your friends and family, and to bring them up to speed because that's how we all become more empowered as consumers, and that's how we fight back against the big financial services companies and the crooked for-profit colleges and everybody out there who's trying to get rich by taking advantage of us as a whole. We're not going to stand for it, but we've got to spread our knowledge, rule number six. Rule number seven, own real estate, sooner, not later. This is, to me, the biggest downside and the biggest pitfall, people who fell victim to the student loan a trap and the student loan frauds is art that it will impact their ability to own real estate. Mm -hmm. It will impact their ability to be a homeowner. It will prevent them from being able to own a home and start accumulating equity and accumulating wealth, right? And, and building up to something and building massive amounts of wealth. Uh, and unfortunately I don't have a solution for it. We're going to try to put one together. We're going to try to figure out some type of relief. Uh, but one of the, one of the big problems this is going to cause is that student loan debt, that high amount of student loan debt, that we have seen uh, build out there is going to prevent people from owning real estate. Yesterday, we talked about the $1.2 billion uh, equity fund uh, that J.P. Morgan put together to, to invest in rental properties, right, through a, a big rental property conglomerate. Uh, they understand the wealth being created by owning property, uh, and they want to take advantage of the fact that a lot of us can't buy houses. A lot of us can't be property owners. A lot of us can't be homeowners because we're saddled with student loan debt or because we haven't taken care of our credit scores and our bills in the past, or we're just afraid, right? And the fear is the worst one, Rob, because it's so easy to be corrected. Uh, there's no need to be afraid. Pick up the phone, uh, call us, call someone, see if you can get approved for a home loan and go out and buy a house. Rule number seven, own real estate sooner, not later. Rule number eight, practice what you learn and always learn more. Uh, this is one of my favorites, Rob. If you're not going to pay attention or if you're not going to put to use the things I'm telling you, uh, you might as well be listening to Britney Spears on the pop station a, a few turns of the dial over. Uh, if you're going to spend your days here with me, if you're going to spend an hour a day listening to me talk and empower you with these rules and empower you with this knowledge, you've got to put it to use. You've got to practice what you learn and you've got to always be willing to learn more. Even I myself don't think I know it all. I can always learn from others. I can always learn something. I learn something new every day. 
And that's my goal is to learn something new every day and to put into practice these rules, to put into practice the things I learn so that I can be a more empowered consumer and I can help empower other consumers. Uh, Number nine, share your successes. So this is different. We talked about sharing your knowledge, but it's also very important that you share your successes, right? So when you're able to save money, when you're able to avoid a scam, when you're able to make a good decision, you know, say you, uh, you're called by one of these for-profit colleges and because you shop around and use the three-day rule, you end up going to community college because it's one-tenth the cost for the same quality, if not a better quality of education. You have got to share that success with your friends, right? Uh, they will listen to you on the knowledge piece a little. They will listen to you on the success piece a lot. So if you find yourself saving money, if you find yourself fighting back, if you find a trick and you avoid it, that is a success. And rule number nine is you have got to share your successes. Rule number 10, uh, I want you to have a savings account equal to your last three months of gross pay, right? Last three months of gross pay. This number is constantly changing. As you're getting raises, it's going up. As you're working more overtime, it's going up. This is the only way to truly prepare yourself for the possible bumps and hiccups down the road. Uh, To be a financial ninja, we are never going to find ourselves in a situation where we are desperate for money and have to rely on debt. And if we have a savings account with our last three months of gross pay right there sitting there waiting for us, uh, we can avoid those situations. We can be empowered. Rule number 11, we're not going to gamble with the essentials. Okay, what are the essentials? The essentials are our retirement accounts. The essentials are that savings account we just talked about. We're not going to bet it all on some hot stock tip that we got from our buddy. We're not going to sink it into Apple stock because we think it's going to go up when it's had a rough and rocky ride and people have definitely lost money there. Uh, We're also not going to gamble with our home if we are buying a home. If we're following rule number seven and we're going to own real estate, we are not going to gamble with our rate lock. Rob, we have seen rates go up considerably in the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. uh, all the people who didn't lock their rate in, who let the mortgage broker and mortgage guy talk them out of the rate lock, oh, float the rate. I got a feeling things are going to get better. Uh, all those people are now staring down significantly higher payments. And in some cases, it can actually cost you your ability to buy the home at all. If interest rates move up too high and you didn't lock your rate in, you may no longer qualify to buy that home. And I don't want anyone to find themselves in a situation where they've they've committed to buying a house, they've gone under contract on a house, they've told their friends and family and shown the kids and shown the wife or shown the husband, uh, made plans to change schools and change banks and everything else. And then a week before closing, you find out that you didn't lock your rate in. The rate is now considerably higher. And now you find that you don't qualify. So we do not gamble with the essentials. This is retirement accounts, savings accounts, interest rate locks. Don't gamble with the essentials. There are certain things in life we just absolutely have to play it safe with. That's rule number 11. Rule number 12 is we're going to check references. We're going to use Google uh, or whatever your preferred search engine is. And we're going to put in the name of a company that we're considering doing business with, followed by the word scam. We're going to put in the name of that company, followed by the word reviews. We're going to put in that company followed by the the letters BBB or Better Business Bureau so we can check out their Better Business Bureau rating uh, and see if they're an accredited business. We're also going to put in the name of that company followed by the word complaints. We're going to look at this information. We're going to process this information, and we're going to make better decisions as consumers, rule number 12. And then finally, rule number 13, if you own or run a business, I want you to be transparent with your consumers. Uh, I did it in my business. I've been wildly successful because of it. When you put consumers first, you can succeed. You can win. Uh, don't listen to all the hype. Don't let the the greed, don't let examples like Corinthian, just because they brought in $3.5 billion uh, by taking advantage of people with student loans, don't let that let you sway from the cause. You can build a better business and a long-term sustainable business if you put your customer first and you are transparent with your customer. And this is going to be the subject of my upcoming book, Rob, which I'm going to release later this year. Uh, and that is the 13 uh, principles rules here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. Uh, I'm going to get those posts on the website soon. Until then, I'm just going to keep talking about them here live on the air. There's still more financial empowerment coming up. But remember, when you listen to this show, you probably have people in your life that you know could benefit from Robert's teachings. I mean, this is a great show. It's easy to understand. We're not asking you to buy anything. We don't come on here and ask you to book a trip to Florida to attend a five-day seminar. Although the trip to Florida might not be a bad idea, but you handle that on your own with the money that you saved as you save thousands with Robert Palmer. You got it? How this all comes together? Financial empowerment means you're able to reach your financial dreams. Knowledge is power. And so the more knowledge that you derive from this program and by listening to Robert Palmer on demand or live on the radio, the more knowledge you have, the more power you have over your money. 
It's a simple equation, and that's why we're here. It all comes down to giving the people information they've always wanted. And and a, a lot of people find that hard to believe. I, I've been with Robert on the air for over eight years, and I still have people come up to me in my home community. I live in a large retirement community, and I still have people who come up to me and say, you know, Rob, I hear you on the air, and I hear you on there with Robert Palmer, and what's going on there? I mean, that costs a lot of money. Robert Palmer's buying all of this radio time, and he's, uh, he's, he's investing in websites and a lot of researchers to write articles and very talented writers, very talented photographers. I mean, it, it, it all costs money. Well, yes, it does. But Robert Palmer has been very, very successful in the mortgage and the finance industries. And right now he wants to give back because he doesn't want you to suffer through life with a 580 credit score. He wants to empower you. And he wants to make sure that you're not just bouncing from late notice to late notice. Robert, you kind of call it the um, financial ninja and the financial zombie. Where did that come from? Yeah. So anyways, Rob, so uh, as you know, I'm kind of a big fan of The Walking Dead. Yes. Right? And so we, you know, we run, we ran a lot of commercials in The Walking Dead this year. And I'm, I'm personally a Walking Dead fan. And I, I missed it in the early days, you know. And so uh, my wife and I binge watched like around season four, season three, and we got hooked. And, uh, and as I sat, as I sit there and I watch these zombies, right, it reminds me of how a lot of people deal with credit cards and credit scores. And so some of our longtime listeners, we used to talk about the whole burying your head in the sand. Mm-hmm. You know, that was my, my term for it. Someone who had bad credit and didn't want to deal with it. They were burying their head in the sand. Uh, someone who, uh, was going into foreclosure and didn't want to do anything, didn't want to try to work it out with the bank, didn't want to hire an attorney, didn't want to try to do a short sale. They were just burying their head in the sand. Uh, and But the more I have watched Walking Dead, and as I see these these zombies just aimlessly meandering around, and then you hear a loud noise, and all of a sudden they go off in a new direction, and, and you know, by God, they cannot figure out the mechanics of a chain-link fence uh, for anything. I mean, I love it. The ultimate zombie stopper is simply a chain-link fence. You. You put a chain link fence anywhere and they just, they're done. It's over, right? And and so what I realize is uh, most of these people uh, who don't take their credit seriously, who are ignoring it, who have their head buried in the sand, they're just like the zombies. And so I have decided that my new phrase uh, for someone who ignores their credit, uh, someone who ignores a foreclosure, ignores the credit problems in your life, ignores your financial issues is a financial zombie. I love it. You like that? I so love it. So my goal by coming here on the radio every day is I want to take all of you financial zombies out there and I want to wake you up. I want to get you to take your head out of the sand and I want to turn you into financial ninjas. Oh, all right? Oh, oh. That, Be proactive. That is the saving thousands transformation. That is what I will promise you if you listen to this show every day. I'm going to take you from being a financial zombie, mindlessly meandering around when it comes to your credit and your finances and your interest and your interest rates, and I'm going to transform you into a financial ninja, right? Stealthy, Mm -hmm. highly skilled, able to take advantage of credit card companies, able to take advantage of leveraging mortgages, all of the things a financial ninja should be doing. All of my listeners should be financial ninjas, and we are going to extinguish the financial zombies one at a time. Well, Robert, I don't think anybody wants to be a financial zombie, and I hope that they'll continue to tell their friends that they don't want their friends to be financial zombies. They want them to be empowered, and we want everybody to be empowered. We want everybody listening to this radio show to feel like they're in charge from now on, and that's what it's all about, as we've been saying. But somehow along the way, there's been a big disconnect. Somehow the colleges, the universities, the high schools, somehow they didn't tell us this stuff, but I guess they just thought we'd come by it naturally. Like we would know what an escrow was and we would know what lender fees are or aren't. And we would know how to pass along our money, how to invest our money, how to start an IRA, how to do a 401k. And that stuff is covered by a lot of other radio shows. But here we're talking about the day-to-day dollars. And when it comes to finance, that's what we cover. So when it comes to finance, what do you know about um, Freddie or Fannie or any of those those big, big intricacies and in those big institutions when it comes to loans? I mean, what do you know about FHA? What do you know about PMI? What is PMI? Do you have any idea what PMI is? Do you know how if you own a home, you can get a refi? How would you figure out the math? 
all of this information, Robert, is lacking. And there's nobody out there ringing the bell and saying, gather around, let me tell you about. Kind of like the old town criers did back in the day. Well, right now we have a town announcer. I don't call him a town crier. He is the town announcer. He is the town enabler trying to make you smart when it comes to these things. And Robert, if we don't know about FHA and we don't know about the connected PMI, the private mortgage insurance, and we don't know about the world of refi, we are costing ourselves money. This is stuff the average public doesn't even know goes on. That's why we're here. So FHA, let me give you the backstory on this. I'm a big backstory guy. There you like, go. I, I, you know, here's the thing. I think that our listeners deserve and are intelligent enough to understand why things happen and not for me to just tell them, oh, be afraid of credit. Go hide from credit. Don't ever use credit. I mean, you guys need to understand you're educated, you're smart, you're, you know, you need to know the why behind things. And so here's, here's what happened with FHA. And FHA is a Federal Housing Administration loan. And this is a type of loan that most first-time homebuyers get because it only requires a 3.5% down payment. It's a little more flexible on your income, a little more flexible on your credit score. You know, it's really there to help people become homeowners without being reckless and, and giving loans to people that don't, don't qualify. But FHA, uh, as did anyone who made mortgages, saw some losses. They saw some trouble because a lot of people defaulted. A lot of people lost their home. A lot of people during the downturn couldn't sell that needed to sell, couldn't get out. Uh, had a mortgage payment they couldn't afford, right? And so FHA saw these losses piling up, and they actually were about to have to go to Congress and get a bailout. And the Federal Housing Administration does not want to have to get a bailout. No. And so they said, all right, we're going to have to raise our costs. We're going to have to raise our charge to the consumer. So when you get an FHA loan, you pay monthly mortgage insurance, which is like PMI. It's the FHA version of PMI. And and they, they went from charging a half percent a year to 1.35% a year, right? <laughs> And so this means that even when interest rates, I think the best FHA interest rate I saw uh, was probably three and a quarter, right? right? Maybe a three. And this was this was like 18, 24 months ago. But the problem is, you, on top of that three and a quarter or 3% interest you paid to us as the lender, you had to pay another 1.35% to FHA, which made the relative cost 4.35 or 4.55, depending on your, yeah. you know, 4.6, which isn't all that great. And so they did this for two or three years and they, they banked all this cash and, and they finally got right and they no longer are at risk of a bailout and the funds have replenished and the reserves are back and everyone can now hold hands and sing Kumbaya at FHA. And so they finally decided to lower it back down. And so they didn't lower it all the way back, but they lowered it down to 0.85. So they, they lowered it considerably. And so if you've got an old FHA loan under the 1.35, which is anyone who got an FHA loan more than about four months ago, you can refinance that loan to lower the mortgage insurance. And here's what I will tell you, Rob. There are a lot of people calling in to do that. Right. What we find is most of them are better to go into a conventional loan. Now, we would make more money if we stuck them in a new FHA loan, right? I'll, I'll be completely honest, right? We are. And, and there's a lot of companies that are doing that. And there are some really big companies who are doing nothing but churning their customers from old FHA loans into new FHA loans because that's what puts the most money in their pocket. And that's the easiest way for them as the lender to make money. Well, what I have my guys do, because one thing is my staff doesn't make different money no matter what type of loan you get, right? They don't. They have no right. incentive to sell you one type of loan versus the other. That's a very important thing to me. I don't ever want, you know, like that. We talked about that article where the guy was getting 13 points on reverse mortgages. Yeah. So he's, he's going to try to sell everybody a reverse mortgage because he makes $13,000 per reverse mortgage at this competitor of ours. If he sells them a forward mortgage, he makes five grand. If he sells them a reverse mortgage, he makes 13 grand. What's he going to sell? He's going to sell a reverse mortgage. Exactly. It's, like, it's like annuities. And we'll have that conversation another day. Oh, please. Financial planners make ridiculous money on annuities. And so they sell them to people, even if it's not the best financial thing. So I looked at all that. And that's one of the things that to me was broken in the industry. So all of my loan officers make the exact same money, no matter what loan you get, because I don't want them to be incentivized to sell you something crappy. So what we do is we look at your situation and guess what? For most people, their home has gone up in value over the last 18 months, right. last 24 months, and it's gone up in value enough that they can get into a conventional loan and have no PMI. So why would I stick you in a new FHA loan and have you pay a lower PMI when I could have stuck you in a conventional loan and had you pay no PMI? Well, the answer is greed. That's why some companies do it that way. Yeah. The other answer is some people do not qualify for the conventional loan. So I would say probably about one out of five people that call here. So if five people call here, wanting to do an FHA refinance to lower the mortgage insurance. Four of them, we end up putting into conventional loans and saving even more money. 
The fifth person is either in an area that didn't go up in value or there's something else about their situation, maybe their credit score, maybe their income, some other reason they have to take the FHA loan, which is still savings because they're lowering the mortgage insurance premium. Exactly. But the best solution is for us to be able to get you into a conventional loan. And again, that four out of five people that call here wanting an FHA to FHA refinance, we put into a conventional loan. So when when this mortgage insurance dropped and, and everyone come at, came out and said, oh, FHA streamline volumes are going to skyrocket. And so I geared up and I'm like, yep, let's do it. We're going to do all these FHA streamline refinances. It's going to be great and whatever. And also like three months later, I'm looking at the numbers. I'm like, why are we not doing very many FHA streamline refinances? And so I get everybody in a room and like, well, Robert, so many people have equity now that they can go to a conventional loan. And that's what's better for the consumer. And I'm like, you're right, guys. Great job. Good. <laughs> perfect. Love it. I'm glad we're not doing more FHA loans. You know, we thought we would, you know, when, when, the, when the industry, but I'll tell you, there's a lot of lenders out there doing a ton of them. Mm -hmm. And you know what that tells me? If I look at a company and they do not have four conventional refis for every FHA refi, then they're taking advantage of that consumer. Great. They are putting that consumer into a loan, not because it's the best thing for the consumer, but because it's the best thing for them. And how can you as a consumer protect yourself from that? You have to educate yourself because when you can look back at them and say, well, you know what? This crazy guy on the radio on Tuesday morning told me that it's probably better for me to go into a conventional loan than an FHA loan. So I need you to tell me why you think I don't qualify for a conventional loan and why you are so bent on putting me in a new FHA loan when I think I can save more money with a conventional loan. And if you don't like the answer you get from that guy, call somebody else and call somebody else. And if five people all tell you you don't qualify for the conventional loan, then you probably don't. Take the FHA loan, save what you can save. But if you find somebody that says, hey, you know, I'm not greedy. Yeah, you're right. You, you can get the conventional loan. That's perfect. That's probably where you want to go because that's what's going to save you the most money. So if you're in that FHA loan, if you're in an FHA loan and you're paying that higher like makes you want to throw up every time you write your mortgage payment, FHA mortgage insurance premium. I mean, Rob, this this can be like 300 bucks a month on some loans. Major. Just getting thrown away in mortgage insurance and they can refinance to a conventional loan and it goes from 300 to zero if they've built up enough equity over the last 18 to 24 months, which with home appreciations, a lot of people have. And we can help you with all that. 855-773-8634. If you're listening and you have an FHA loan, even if you've talked to somebody else, talk to us. Let me give you a second opinion. Shop around. Get another quote. Empower yourself. Don't just take the first offer you're given. Don't let some company take advantage of you. Be a smart consumer. 855-773-8634. That's 855-RP-Funding. Or visit us on the web at rpfunding.com. Well, Robert, we've done it again. We have completed another great hour of financial empowerment. Folks, in ending, let me just mention a couple of things. You can listen to Robert's shows on demand at your Saving Thousands radio app on your phone. You can go to iHeart and listen 24 hours a day to Robert Palmer Saving Thousands shows and info modules. And hey, along the way, some pretty good music too. I'll guarantee you that. You can also go to savingthousands.com. There is so much information on there. It would take me a day to bring you up to date with all the things at savingthousands.com. But I'd rather hear from Robert, okay? So you go to savingthousands.com, be a pioneer, be an explorer. Also, don't miss a state of eyes. If you're young, if you're thinking about real estate, or maybe you've been through the crunch and you want to get back into real estate as an owner or an investor, go to a state of ice. Great website by the research team right here at the Robert Palmer family of companies. Also, if you're in the real estate industry or you're kind of in the process of buying a home or thinking about it, also don't forget Real Prospector. That's a real insider's view, but it always pays to know more. And along the way, we'll all save thousands with Robert Palmer. <laughs>